All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's time for the Wally Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot, who just parked his goat outside as he rolled in <laughs> for the show. <laughs> yeah, you're referring to the pony ride that I was on on the weekend is, for my that, daughter's I birthday. I tell you, is not a pony. That was a goat. <laughs> it looked like a goat when I was sitting on it, but we, my wife had this insane idea. It turned out to be a great idea to rent a pony. It, this was not... It looks crazy elaborate. It wasn't. There's a farm like like in our backyard, basically. And we know the people there. And we asked if we could kind of rent one for a little while. And that pony's name is special. He is 26 years old. He's a couple of weeks away from retirement. And um, I wanted I wanted no part of going on it, but everybody basically told me to do it when we still had time left on the clock. So anyway, we had a good time. Wait a second. What what happens in retirement? Uh, he just gets to chill. He gets to graze. He doesn't have to do any of the, you know, the touring around like he's been doing. And um, I don't know where to there, go with this, but there's yeah. no chance that he's making it to two weeks after carrying your big fat ass around. <laughs> hey, after, listen, like- that pony, that pony weighs four. We asked it weighs 450 pounds. <laughs> that thing is strong. So for people to be like, Oh, they're going to call Pina or, you know, listen, <laughs> I've been around horses lots, ponies, not so much. I learned to ride years ago. 
Uh, this pony was very gentle, very kind, but more importantly, very strong. It'll be fine. <laughs> I just love, I appreciate you posting it because it always makes for good entertainment. It made me laugh because I had a beer in my hand. You know, like I just, my wife was taking a video unknowingly to me, right? I had no idea. And we had a little fun with it after. Now fans are making memes out of it and I'm having yeah. fun. I did yeah. think of the old Spice guy right away who I one night ended up drinking with in a Las Vegas uh, Stanley Cup, uh, an NHL awards party. Mustafa, I think is his name. Um, yes. You, you, did, you did remind me of the old Spice guy. That guy so, is ripped. I can't hold a candle to that body, but I appreciate the comparison. <laughs> uh, as always, this show is brought to you by Ridge Rock Brewery. Go to ridgerockbrewco.ca. Put in the Wham Show coupon code and get 15% off your order. Get home delivery. Uh, some fantastic brews. Uh, my favorite light right now is the Norwegian, but also the Blonde and the Pale Ale. Uh, they have plenty of good stuff. They're just at the Carp Fair. Fantastic weekend at the Carp Fair. Matt, I think of you as a big Carp Fair or a fair guy. You're a country guy. You grew up around that. We were at the, uh, we went to the Renfrew Fair that was not, um, I guess, it's finally back in the game, but it was non-existent, yeah. obviously, last year and the year before. So um, I used, my parents used to take me to the Renfrew Fair every year before school started as a kid and so we were able to do the same with ours but the nice thing about the rent fair is there's a ton of livestock there's lots of horses and animals and uh, a lot of shows there's a there's a there's a, a destruction derby all the vehicles come rolling in and very interesting crowd but it's a lot of fun and everyone's having a good time you and i should do demolition derby <laughs> that's what it's we called De demolition yeah. Derby. yeah 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 that was fun. it was fun uh, all right. Uh, huge show today as we've got Bobby Ryan uh, coming on the show. It's good to see him back. We're going to have a great chat with him. Also, uh, Tony Greco, who works out and trains some of the best and biggest stars in the National Hockey League, including Claude Giroux. So if Claude's season is great, we get to praise Tony. If it's not, well, we're all going to ride at his place. I True. think that's basically fair. Um, anyway, Tony Greco, one of, the, one of the best there is in the business. So we look forward to seeing him. Uh, but first, as always, we're bringing in our good friend. And nice to see him back in the show, Bobby Ryan. Uh, welcome into the show now, our one of our favorites. Uh, I don't know if you're the favorite because Ian Mendes has been on eight times. Uh, Bobby Ryan, how are you, sir? I'm good. I think I'm still the fan. Ian Ian raises his hand every time you guys get a, an opportunity, so uh, I like to I like to be sporadic about it. So I'm still the favorite. Yeah, we don't want to overwork you, so we appreciate just the Thank sporadic you. times that you come on. Appreciate uh, it. How are things with you? They're good today. I'm. Uh, I'm back and, and doing the things I'm supposed to be doing that I uh, got away from. Obviously, uh, didn't mean to wake up on TMZ or <laughs> ESPN a couple months ago, but I'm doing really well. Uh, you know, obviously relapsed and and it was like a um, a couple of day relapse too that just ended in the worst way possible. So it was uh, you know it was tough and it was it was trying and and humiliating, but at the same time you just kind of. I, you do what you did right I just kind of got back to work and recommitted myself and and you talk about being TMZ and ESPN and I saw people magazine and I, like did you did you want to hide because two days later you're on Twitter talking to people which I was blown away by so I guess can you tell me how you went through that process well I mean it, yeah there's a I'm an isolator by nature, which is never a good thing. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try something different this time with myself to keep myself accountable. And, um, honestly, I probably send 50 to 60 direct messages to other people that have reached out to me through Twitter that were like, I'm 50 years sober. I'm 20 years sober. I'm 10 days sober. And I honestly, 
I, I converse with these people every day. Um, and that was the main thing that I was looking for to do with it, you know, and, and not to make it public because it was already public, but it was like, there's, there's a whole avenue that I haven't tried just in accountability. Um, that was there. And I, I think I mentioned there was like 900 messages and I still, I'll never get through all of them. Um, but I, I pick and choose and, and um, I, I've made some friends out of it. I talked to some other sober people about it, about our days. So it, it became like this incredible blessing for me um, in, in one of my worst periods of time, for sure. Were you surprised by the attention? The positive attention? Uh, you did the positive. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I think you, and, and me being, uh, I guess a bit of a pessimist in that regard, I'm like, Oh, this is the end of the end, right? This is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And it, and it, was, it might still have been, I don't know, but at the same time, um, I, I, I can't ignore all the, uh, the positives that came out of it. Right. Um, the, I, I think because I showed the vulnerability side of, of what, what a relapse looks like and how dark it is and, and, um, you know, how humiliating it is, uh, people can resonate with that. Right. And, and people can identify that. And I, I certainly had a lot of people that have now reached out to me and said, I relapsed that for years and, and it was humiliating. The, the problem with them is they didn't have to do it on the grand stage, right? <laughs> which I did right, but right. at the same time. It's fine. It's, it's, uh, it's been a blessing and it helped me get back to doing the things that I just took for granted. Cause you just get tired of doing it all the time. You know, recovery is tough, but it's a hell of a blueprint to live your life by if you really think about it. And, um, and I was like, all right, I'm retired. Nobody's telling me how to work out a certain way, eat a certain way. You get to a point where you're like, I can do all these things I want to do. I could probably drink again and uh, went that route and it did not go well, <laughs> obviously. So uh, I just took it for granted and it got away from me. Uh, I don't know if you, and I, I know you, people like to be quiet about names, but was anybody reach out to you that you were surprised to hear from? Yeah, but I can't mention them because they're, they're in the program or they're, uh, in, in AA and AA doesn't, you know, yep. I, a lot of, I'll say this, a lot of the guys that are public about their, are, about their past were guys that I, I really leaned on in the, uh, in the, in the sobriety world. One of the other things, and, and I'm not going to keep talking about it because I want to move on to some hockey chatter with you as always is, uh, the love that you got from Ottawa. And I know you haven't played here in a couple of years. Do you sense the impact you've had in the nation's capital? I, I guess to a degree, um, I do but I don't because I'm not there. Um, I, I just, it's, you know, one of the few things, and I, as I look back on my time in Ottawa years later, and even when I was still playing, I was like, the only thing I can ever say about my time there is through the ups and downs on the ice. I was always candid off the ice. I always let people know where I stand. And I think that's important. And I think people in, in the city recognize my struggles on the ice. And then they in turn recognize the struggles off the ice and then the comeback and all the things that, and, and then in the middle of it, all the great playoff run. And there were some good times. I played well at times for periods, but I think people just always um, identified with me because I kept it real. There were no cliche answers. And if, I think if you give them, you kind of turn people off. So, um, you know, just by sharing and, and being vocal and being honest and forthright. Um, I don't want to say I gained a lot of fan, but I gained a lot of, um, a runway with, with fans with my play on the ice and and uh in turn i mean I, I absolutely love the fan base in ottawa it was just and i still do every time i i check twitter i have something from them and they're just they're just great people and i'm i i'll always root for the team but i root for the city more because i'd i'd really like to see this year pan out the way the fans want it to uh more so but uh again we're gonna get into it but i think you got to be a little more realistic than, than, than <laughs> the sense fans are being right now don't you dare rain on our parade uh, i'm um, not raining i'm just saying i'm not here for that mess <laughs> we'll get into it though we'll get into uh, it 
finally, I like where you're at now compared to where you were two months ago. Um, I guess what would you say you are? I was uh, well two months ago. I was in, I was I was not at home. I was in a <laughs> I was in a jail cell for a night. So uh, not even a night. And the charges were dismissed because the, the judge realized he's like a, you know talking about stealing. I was like I've never stolen anything in my life, and it was a bag of beef jerky that I was I was just confused. I thought I paid for it, and that's how that's how bad it was. And and I stuffed it into a bag and walked out. It was like. And then I told him, I was like, it was a complete misunderstanding. And he's like, go home. I said, okay. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, he was like, I, you know, and I didn't, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm worth $30 million. I'm not trying to steal a bag of beef jerky. Like, <laughs> like I, I wasn't going to say that, but at the same time, I'm like, listen, man, I don't even have my bags. Like they kept everything. I was like, here's my license. Google it. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not, I'm not, I've never stolen anything. I'm not, not dishonest. I'm just, I made a mistake and I apologize and I'll go back and give them $7 if they want. But uh, yeah, I was, and, and I didn't even get the beef jerky out of the whole thing. I, <laughs> I was like, so I was like, just, you know, it, it and I can make light of it because it was, but it was so embarrassing. Uh, and then I got one of the, so many people reached out to me and meth sent me a four minute voice note that was just, uh, <laughs> it gave me a laugh. So I appreciated it, Matt. Meth loves his voice notes. I know I I'm notorious yeah, I, I, for sending I voice notes. I know. Well, I, know. I gotta if, stop. You do because, like, if I hear the voice note, I don't know if there's a setting thing that I have to like. I hear it once and then I'll start to text back and I realize I missed something, but the thing deletes so fast that I can't even yeah. respond to half the message. So, yeah. but um, but no, I appreciated it, man. It was one of the first ones I listened to because it was one of the first ones I saw. Good, good, uh, perfect. So we're welcome and then glad to see you back. Um, and thank you. So we'll move on with, and I will share, as you've seen, uh, the poster, uh, the promo for this week of you <laughs> from our good friend, Daryl Quinlan. Uh, I guess, what is your reaction to it? You said, I got that. I was in the hot tub when you said that to me. And I was like, the boys are taking it right at, right at me. I just <laughs> couldn't dip my toes in the water. You got to go right at the fingers. But uh, it's an unbelievable drawing and an unbelievable sketch. So I was, I was really happy. I liked it. Um, I, I kind of knew if you were doing something with me, there was going to be a shot at the hands. Uh, and and I, I thought it was great. I honestly did. I laughed out loud and people were But it wasn't all negative. It wasn't just <laughs> no, no, negative. No, no, no. You threw in the Boston series, my claim to fame in Ottawa there. So thank you. <laughs> I, I laugh at the Miku Koivu stick because I totally forget about you. You scored with that stick, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I scored. I don't know how to, how I scored backhanded with the left-handed stick shooting right, right hand. It was just, yeah, a weird one. So I was, I was glad he, you know, he gave me a couple uh, positive jabs too. It would have been nice had you gotten that stick after the game from Miku. I'm sure he wasn't happy with you, but I, no, no, they were, I remember them kind of reviewing it and they were like, that shouldn't count. And I was like, he was holding my stick. I I just picked something up and scored with it. What do you want me to do? <laughs> so it, it, yeah, uh... I, I I found that stick years later. Somebody brought that stick to me at a signing and said, this is the stick. And I was like, I think, I think you got lied to when you bought that, but uh, <laughs> it, it did look like it. So who knows? Did you offer to buy it? No, I just signed. I was, no, I was like, there's not a chance at the sticks. Miku gave that guy a stick and said, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Fair enough. Um, I want to feel like at this point last year, you were hoping to get a PTO or a contract. Uh, if not with Detroit, with somebody. We see a bunch of them now. There are 42 players on PTOs this year. Uh, 27 of them are 28 years or older, or 64%. Are you, and I, may, I meant to ask Matt this too for a couple of weeks now, are you guys surprised the number of PTOs, especially with players in that late 20s, early 30s that 
used to always get contracts, but now they're kind of priced out of the market. I guess I don't know about you. I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I think PTOs are a good way to fill out camp now. And those guys, like you said, would be getting, would be getting contracts, but you, you almost, you need your $765,000 cap hit prospects to play because you got guys making 10 and 12 and whatever it might be um, all through the lineup. So I guess I'm not surprised um, by any means. And it's, it's a hard way to go through training camp as a guy that's probably a little bit established. We talked about Derek Broussard before the show. Um, yeah. it, it makes it hard. It makes it hard to make a team. But when I looked at my PTO, I was like, I, I'm not necessarily trying to make the Red Wings. I'm, I would like to stay here, but at the same time, you got 30 other teams that are watching yeah, you. It's as an well. audition. It's an audition. That's all it is. And, and a lot of guys like in it's the perfect idea for a guy like Derek Broussard, other teams are going to see you play. Other teams know Derek Broussard's body of work, but does he still have it? Did he lose a step at 35? That's it. So it's, it's a, it's a league wide audition for free. And, but, and no, yeah, I agree, Bobby. And, and like, you know, I, I think the less technical term for me or not a term, but the, the less technical perspective would be the league's just that much younger now. And you've yeah. got a lot of these vintage players. I hate calling them that, but players that have had a great career, that are in their early thirties. And then, you know, typically 10 years ago, that was pretty common, right? Like you, you saw that across yeah. the league, but now with the cap it hasn't budged a whole lot. And then you've got all these guys that are starting to get priced out. They're on the decline, maybe a little bit. And as you mentioned, Bobby, it's like, well, if you're going to pick between a $750,000, you know, veteran at 35, and that's no slight against brass, I'm speaking generally, or maybe you go with a prospect that's got a lot of potential. You don't know where his ceiling's at, you know, you're going to air to that guy. So I think, I think the PTO thing is just that transitionary period where you're seeing a lot of these players that are coming off these big contracts and or sort of starting to kind of regress a little bit, but they're hanging yeah. on to dear life and people are still, you know, kind of interested because they got the sexy name, they had good careers, and then yeah, they're man. probably going to end up fizzling. And that's, I mean, at least from yeah. my vantage point right now, that's what I'm seeing. I think, if, I think if you're a GM, you look at it and say, okay, this is a heck of an insurance policy to have in case. Exactly my fifth round pick that I think could probably play for us isn't quite ready. I'm not locked in this 800 grand for a guy that's 35 because the fifth round pick turns out ready. Now we got two contracts instead of one, the PTO you yeah. can release and your kid can play. And if your kid's not ready, you send them down and then you bring in that PTO tip for a contract. That's it's, it's a great yeah. insurance policy for a team to have. Agreed. But the PTO is so rare to get signed like it hmm. i don't know is there one or two a season like, i do remember michael delzato signed one in columbus but it is so rare to see these guys is there any chance that we're going to see guys sign your guess is as good as mine i don't know yeah i have no idea yeah I, I, the, the only pto i know of is Derek Broussard. <laughs> so, yeah like, same, sure same. They, yeah, yeah. And, and and it makes sense because they've had some injuries and you don't really know what's going on with formington but then you're seeing the emergence of some of these other players in camp i know bobby you probably haven't been paying as much attention to some of the prospects but it's like you're starting to realize all these kids that are coming in now are like so good and we're talking top to bottom even the role players, like they're having significant impacts at training camp. So, you know, that makes it real challenging for some of these PTOs. I, I mean, you guys know I'm very close with brass. I hope it works out for them. It's just, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you're a PTO, you're essentially pushing out a kid that's that they drafted and, and have exactly. high hopes for. So it's, yeah. it's so, you gotta, you gotta thoroughly outplay everybody. Exactly. One of the issues with Derek Broussard, and I'm going to appreciate because both of you played uh, with Broussard and with Mark Stone, is that he took 61 as his number in camp. Um, 
which is ballsy to me. Uh, I guess, are you guys surprised he went with that number? I know 16 is his number, don't get me wrong, but uh, are you surprised he went with that number? No, he came in with a splash. If you're in PTO, you gotta, you gotta come in with a splash. <laughs> Who the hell? Yeah, you guys traded Mark Stone. You didn't even want him. I'll take that number. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I texted just because I wanted to get ahead of it a little bit. So I texted Stoney and I'm like, okay, like, I know you probably already told Brass. I'm like, like, what are you thinking about all this? He's like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Sounds Why good. He, though? Yeah. he does not care. He yeah. is making a fortune in Vegas right now. He's doing just fine. Yeah. He's doing yeah. just fine. He's yeah. making nine bananas tax-free. Yeah. Where is number? <laughs> Go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So you guys wouldn't care if somebody came in that you knew. It, I, we're, I'm making a big deal out of nothing, but that would take your number. Do you feel it, like do you own an ownership part of your number? That's I it guess depends. It depends if yeah. you've had like a significant impact. Like Bobby, if Bobby was in Anaheim that much longer after he'd won a cup and you know, had played maybe a thousand games with them and then was traded away for the year. But I could understand an argument there, but I mean, like, you know, you're using me as an example. Like I, what right do I have to even judge a player for taking number three? Like I'm a pigeon, you know what I mean? So it's like, you gotta, you gotta, gotta look at the body of work and the player that you're talking about. I think it's, it's fairly subjective. Yeah. Pierre, Pierre, Pierre couldn't give nine away quick enough. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> Josh, Josh, Nor Josh called me too. And he's like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know the NHL or the NHL, the senators told me number nine's available. And I was like, yeah, obviously they bought me out. He's like, do you care if I wear it? I, I just want the team's okay with it. I was like, where the number it's number nine. It's a popular number. Like, yeah. It, nice just, of him to call you though. Speaks, yeah. it speaks volumes of the kid though, right? Like, well, the last time we talked, he was trying to call for the puck when I was scoring a hat trick. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the he, owed best. Me, he owed me one, he owed me one, but he's a, he's a great kid. I saw him because I was getting ready to camp in Detroit and he was still skating there. And he, I, I had run into him a couple of times uh, before he left for Ottawa the previous year. So, um, I was really happy, but he, he's turned into one hell of a goal scorer too. Are you okay? So I don't know how well, you know, Tim Stutzla, we had this debate on the last show. If you had to pick one or the other as your centerman, which guy are you taking, Josh Norris or Tim Stutzla? If you're asking me, I'm taking Stutzla only because he, he seems to be more of a pass-first guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> Josh and I would both be standing like heater with our sticks in the air all game and, and waiting for the other guy to move the puck. But um, you can't go wrong. God, those are two very, very good young players. But uh, I would take Stutzla, especially because he's a, he's a left-handed guy that – towards the later part of the year you started to really see him kind of command the center of the ice and drive the lane a lot differently um yeah he just he just creates lanes that i don't know that you know, it's not a slight against josh they're just different players but he creates lanes for other guys he was his speed really backs the defenseman up i i really enjoy watching him so okay then let me what do you like about josh norris his i don't find his game flashy and i don't mean that disrespect i just he scores 35 goals easily it seems but he's not a super flashy. He's not going to dance you down the ice for the most of it. Am I, is that fair? Yeah, he's not. Um, I, he kind of reminds me of a, a little bit of myself when I was that age, when I was younger, like he's, he's not going to create a ton on his own, but he's going to be the guy that's going to finish it. Um, he's just got a nose for finding pockets in the ice. He's got a, and he's, and I'm not giving him enough credit because he can make plays too, obviously, but he, he finds pockets of the ice. Um, he needs about a half a second to get that shot off. And when it comes off, it's, there's a difference between a heavy shooter and a quick shooter. And he's a quick shooter that has a heavy ah. shot. He's got both. Right. So, and he's, and he's, he's extremely accurate. So, um, 
he's he's what you would call a very complimentary. He's the best he's the best shooter on the team. He's the best goal scorer on the team. But he's con- he's still a complimentary player if that makes sense. But he's going to round out whatever line you put him on extremely well. And Bobby, when you say for people listening that don't maybe understand, when you mean quick shooter, you just mean like that quick little like he doesn't have a, a like an egregious backswing, right? Like it's yeah, it's fairly no quick. And, yeah, yeah. There's no there's no load. Like for me, I was I, I would be considered not as quick. Like I I had to get that you know to my to the back of my blade. He doesn't. He shoots from the front. He shoots from the middle, and it's yeah. it's, it's 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 off like this. Uh, and, and there's no cradling it. He just, he knows when he wants to shoot and he picks a spot and he hits it. And then when you have the heaviness of it too, it's, it's, he's got a hell of a combo. Yeah. Uh, Josh Norris scored 35 goals. Uh, you're a four time 30 goal scorer. Uh, Brady had 30 last year. Alex Dabrinka uh, closed you at one point. How hard is it in this league nowadays to score 30 or more goals in a season? Not, well, I mean, we're entering a scoring era. There's, there's going to be a lot of them. Um, I, and I, I think we started to enter it as I was leaving, but it, it was a lot harder 15 years ago, for sure, especially playing in the West. Um, the East mm. always, and Meth can tell you the difference between the two. The East, when you would always go play teams in the East, you're like, ah, it's going to be a run and gun game or we got to find a way to slow down the, you know, the, 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 the backs, the back and forth. Whereas in the West, it was like you were playing a three zone game all the time. Um, but we started to see it with the amount of power plays that became, you know, became a thing. Um, the opening of the ice a lot. Um, there, there just isn't as much play in and around the net as there used. It doesn't feel like that anyway. It feels like there's a lot more skill than there ever was in the game. So uh, right. it's still a hell of a number to get to. I'm not, I'm not discrediting 30 goals by any means, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's a lot easier to do it right now because the, I mean, games are five, four way more than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. Yep. Goal scoring. I think goal scoring was up the highest since it, since 95, 96 last season. But it's, 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 it's going to keep going. Exactly. It's going to keep going for sure. And Bobby, you touched it right there when you mentioned just the, the skill set and some of these players yeah. that are coming in now. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You watch every team has a guy or at least a couple now that are easily 30 goal scores, which is incredible. Yeah. You think about that. So, I mean, the game's changed. It's evolved. Same as me. When I was kind of leaving, the penalties were ramping up. They weren't allowing anything anymore. I remember my last year in Dallas, you know, I, we just had that run in 2017. I go to Dallas and playing in exhibition games, regular season games. I couldn't touch a guy at net front body. <laughs> no. They like, and, 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 and the refs were adamant about it. Like they were cool about it and they would talk me through it, but like, I couldn't put my paws on anybody. Could, weren't allowed to push anybody. They were that, that area at net front, that was theirs. That was the forwards. Yeah. And I couldn't do a thing about it. As soon as you get your stick like this in any capacity now, it, I mean, it. it's a penalty. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, and yeah. I'm not saying I wanted to go around like, you know, just cross-checking guys like Pronger at that front. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but like it was just like even like the little pushes, the little tricks that I used to do. I used to grab sticks. They were yeah. so hyper aware of it that like you weren't allowed to do anything. So if there was a rebound there, it's a good chance he's going to swat it in. So that, that was the difference yeah. for me at least. And there's more time and space. You there know? is. There absolutely yeah. is. Uh, how much did you guys enjoy playing exhibition games? And I mean that by uh, you watched, like I saw Josh Norris. <laughs> like Norris got folded at one point. He turned, I, I'm, people think I he's remember a family, that. But I, yeah, saw that. I think he turned yeah. the wrong way. Uh, he turned into him, but you don't want to get folded or hurt, uh, especially if you're a top six player or whatever. I'm curious of how much did you do? Like the Sens are playing eight preseason games, one of them at home this year. So you know the veterans who don't want to play on the road are playing somewhere that they don't want to play. Yeah. Like it just seems to be a, a struggle this year. And I, uh, 
like, would you be asking to play two games, Bobby? One. <laughs> um, <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah. I remember Guy came to me and he's like, "How many? How many do you think? Like four?" And I was like, "What? That's preposterous." <laughs> I was like, "I want, I want two. And then he's so he's like, "You got to play four." We had like eight that year, and I was like, I, yeah. "All right, man." I was like, "Just," I was like, "The only one I'm not doing is Winnipeg. That's the worst day of the, the worst entire one. year." Yeah. Worst uh, one. It's people went, don't understand. I, did, I went that. to Winnipeg. <laughs> He's yeah. like, no, it just shook out that way. I was like, it's funny, right, Bobby. It's funny you say that because I went to Winnipeg with you. And yeah. and same situation. Gee came to me before the season started. And I'm like, uh, and I had to inflate the number a little bit because I'm like, I don't want to go right to two. That's very aggressive, which I can appreciate <laughs> that you did. But I, I, I gave a good, I went to three and I think I ended up playing. Actually, I may have played only three, as a matter of fact. But I think a lot of that was because I was lucky because Eric was my D partner and you know, Eric's now playing in hardly any games. So yeah. to, to answer Wally, to answer your question, there's, there's a fine line. You know, a lot of these players are young. They're not, they weren't like Bobby and I, you know, in our thirties playing, you know, kind of at that stage. So like, if you're looking at Ottawa, a lot of those guys haven't earned that right to say, Oh, I only want to play in two exhibition games, maybe Shabbat because he plays 38 minutes a night. But other than yeah. that, it's like, you know, you got to play in them and, and it's, it's like, you, you do want to get some reps, but you're right. You don't want to get hurt. And that's a guy like Josh Norris and, and Nori, like, I, I love the player. He's got to know better too, right? Like you got to think there's some idiot American leaguer. That's probably trying to make a name for yes. himself and he's going to take a run yeah. at you. I would do the same thing. So I would, I would, I would always like, as soon as the puck got dumped in, my feet would just go wide. I'd be like, I'm F2. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I'm 15 feet in front of you. I'm F2 because it's just it's still the highest level of hockey in the world, but there is a difference between what the game feels like when it's regular season. It's slower. Oh, huge. It's, it, a preseason game is way faster because guys are running around with their heads cut off. Um, and not but there's going no for the structure. There's zero structure. And you're like, and, and then you got guys that are trying to like implement things in the season. So for me, I was always like, just kind of look for my timing on breakouts. Am I too far ahead? Am I too far behind? Um, you know, I always, I could, I, I was like, get get stuff down like that feel good about power play entries and then and then shut it down because kamikaze hockey man you're just trying not to get hurt you're trying not to run into the guy that knows he's going to rockford next week um exactly. <laughs> and and it's not a slight against the player it's just it's there's a big difference between those two players and yeah. um it's the worst when you see a guy get hurt and you're like it's going to cost him eight weeks of a season now because because he's playing in a game that he probably didn't need to be playing in yeah so then the question I have uh, for veterans more than maybe is the new guys. There's not a lot of practice time anymore in training camp. You play True. eight games. There's not a lot yeah. of practice. Would you got like, is it more important for Ottawa to have games or practices for a team that wants to get off to a better start has some new faces. They need to implement new stuff. Uh, I think they should be practicing more than they should be playing, but that's just me. I don't know. Bobby, what do you I think? Kind of a double-edged sword because you got a lot of guys trying to make that bottom six right now. Yeah. Um, I think your top six that you're set with, like, I, I don't know. I watched some of that game and, like, the Giroux line, um, the Stutzel line, like, they're going to need another game or two. They weren't on the same page. But you're going to get on the same page running three-on-twos in practice a little more than you are in some of these mashup games. Um, Ottawa's right on the cusp of, of practicing more and playing less, but – I mean, you got a dog fight. The back end's a little bit of one in some spots. Yep. Um, 100%. So, you know, so as much as these games don't mean for the Brady's and the Thomas Shabbat's of the world, they mean a lot to Kastelik. Um, 
uh, Crookshank, who is a, he looks like he's going to be a player. Um, yeah. And a couple, you know, you know, Pinto, um, yeah. who looks like he's kind of solidifying a spot, but at the same time, you got other, you need those guys playing six of the eight, honestly. Yes. And that's, Agreed. that's a big ask. It's a big ask for those guys. Yeah. Cause it's, it's funny. Like I watched the first two games um, and I was in and out. I wasn't like just glued to it. Cause it's hard to watch, especially the first couple of preseason games. I know a lot of people they are all horned up watching these games and they're thinking, oh, okay, I have a good idea what the lineup's going to look like. And, and it's great. Cause I love the enthusiasm, but you don't really get a good indication until you're, you know, toward the, you know, game six, seven, eight of the preseason when most of the lineup starts to kind of coming together and you got the fringe guys, only the fringe guys are here now, not the guys that are guaranteed to get sent back to junior and yeah. the American league. So like those first two games, like I'm watching, I'm paying attention to the guys like Brandstrom and the, you mentioned Crookshank and Castellick and even Tyler Mott, who I know is an NHL player, but I, I want to see what they look like. Right. But it's one game, you know, like the yeah. first game guys, guys are making moves or handling the puck, but you don't really know what you have yet. So I totally agree with Bobby, all these fringe guys, they're going to get a ton of looks like, that's the thing. If you're a player like Brandstrom or I, I, I'm going to, it's hard for me to name drop some of these guys right now, but if you're some of those guys that are really in a, in a dog fight, fighting for a, a spot on the team, you're looking at the next game sheet to see if you're, you're playing. Like you're not looking at it like Bobby and I are right now where we're going ah, Like, I don't want to play in that game. These guys, it's a good sign. If you're getting looks, it means they're interested. It means the GM wants to see what you can do. So bring it on. If, even if you play six or seven games, it's great. So Right now, it's way too soon for projections. I know guys like Sanderson, you get a good idea where there's, you know, what they look like around NHL guys. That's great. But I think we got to reserve judgment here until game five, six, and seven to really get a good idea and picture. The only concern I have is this team needs to get off to a better start. So can we not cut down the team earlier and get this team ready to start the season? You, you kind of got to get to that magic number for, and that was always like 27 for me. Um, yeah. Like, like Mess said, where you got the majority of your team there, plus, plus the guys that are going to get those extended looks into game five, six, sure. seven, and eight. Um, and then, and then you run your practices based on how you would run them during the regular season. Mm. Um, and not just, and Meth knows not just the flow part of it, but the, the structure, the, the meat of the practice. Um, and then those guys that truthfully out of the 27, one of them is probably going to play for you at some point, whether they start the season down there and then injuries and things change. So you can get True. right to that. I, I always liked it when they played like, like Saturday after a double header, you cut, you just trim it. You just trim it right down and you get to it. And then for games six, seven and eight, or maybe seven and eight, you have what you think is going to be your lineup plus a couple extras that are coming in and out in those spots. Um, I always found that that way made more sense. And then because how, how brutal was it when you had 10 D on the ice net, but you were running through oh the drills. So the, the I drills can't get ready. 10 minutes and you're just oh, sitting it's there the same with the, the forward birds. lines. Yeah. It's the same with yeah. you guys. Like, like, oh, don't get lines. me wrong. You're like, okay. yeah. Yeah. Like you don't want to, you know, I get it. You don't want to get bagged every day as a player or anybody in general in any line of work. Like you don't want to be overworked at your, at your job, but at the same time, you want to be efficient. You want to get the right reps in. And like, when you have, a practice running five lines or six lines potentially, or maybe five and a half. And like, you're not getting the reps you need and you're standing around the ice turns to dog shit. So I'm with Bobby trim that roster right down, get to, you know, 30 below as far as numbers go, you know, as players and you're in a good spot and you can kind of interchange and play with the lineups every night. 
that that was my thing in campus. Whenever you saw like the, the forwards and D would wear different colors and each line would wear a different color in camp. And then you get to the baby blue line and you're like, huh? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know those jerseys existed. <laughs> you, that, where did that come from? There should never be a baby blue or a yellow jersey on the ice. Like you got black, yeah. blue, red, white, whatever. And then that's it. Okay. A hundred percent. Yeah, guys on the exactly. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Uh, fair enough. All right. Uh, last topic before we let you go. Uh, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot for the most competitive Live daily odds, they'll match your first deposit up to 500 bucks in sports betting credits. Sportsinteraction.com slash Thought. They are Canada's odds maker. Okay, you uh, touched on it earlier in the show. We're going to call this the big 4-0. Can the Sens get to 40 wins this season? Because uh, history shows that that's what it's going to take basically to make the playoffs. Ottawa had 33 wins last season, the most they've had since the 2016-17 Eastern Conference final playoff appearance, which is their last playoff appearance. 18 teams had 40 win seasons last year. Vegas and Vancouver both missed. Uh, only two teams in the last six full NHL seasons, seven, have had less than 40 wins and made the playoffs. It is basically imperative to get to 40. Do the Ottawa Senators, uh, Bobby and Meth, make the playoffs? Do they get to 40 wins? You want me to go? I, uh, yeah. Look, I... I... Oh boy. It's tough because we can, we can all agree on this, right? The Sens have improved, you know, great off season. You bring in to bring it, uh, Giroux got Cam Talbot right there. Who's in his prime as a, I believe, what is he? 35. So you've got, yeah. you've got, and Forsberg's back. You've got stability and goal. You've added and significantly improved uh, improved your roster up front. The D is still the question mark. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot of, frustrating nights and when i say that i mean you're going to get your offense you're going to get some pretty consistent goaltending i think that glaring hole on the back end and that's no slight against pierre or anybody running the organization god knows they're trying to improve it very hard to find good defensemen i think that's going to bite them in the arse many nights until that gets addressed so to your question yeah it's possible but that's if everything you know works out, their D somehow figure things out, which I don't think it'll happen. I think it's a personnel issue. I don't believe this is a coaching issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's going to be a challenge because the East, you know, we touched on this a little earlier and we were talking about it before the show, the East hasn't really regressed that much. I mean, there's, there's some injuries of course, which is a big one. Uh, but I look at a lot of the teams we're talking 800 point plus seasons last year. Ottawa's got to try to figure out a way to get into that, you know, ballpark. So it's doable, but I think they're going to need the stars to align right from the beginning. And it's going to need to be consistent the whole way through. I mean, it's a pretty vague answer, but until they figure out that decor, I don't know how I can kind of back that up. Uh, I agree with a lot of, I, the short answer is no um, for me until I see it. Like every, every point I would agree with on meth that they, they addressed a lot. And they're going to take a major step this year, but the yeah. East didn't get worse aside from Boston with the injuries. And um, one could argue Florida with, with some players, yeah. but I don't, I don't know who they leapfrog. Um, exactly. I, and I do think that they find a way to be here's, here's the best case in a great scenario is they're in a lot more games for a lot longer this time around yes. this year. Yeah. And that's a major step forward from where they were last year. If they don't get off to a good start, there's going to be a lot of questions asked. Um, you got to look at it. 
Canadian thanks or uh, sorry, American Thanksgiving. That's where you look at it and say, where yep. are we? What do we have? And if you're not in the playoffs, then there's a very good chance you're not going to make the playoffs. That's just a historical side yep. of thing. This team didn't start well the last couple of years, um, but they had some major inconsistencies the last couple of years. They addressed some of them. So there's a chance to do better right out of the gate. But if they don't, it's going to be it's going to be another long year. I just think that they're I think the fans have to say we made a major step this year. We got better. We played yep. meaningful games through March and maybe they slide in because maybe they get on a run somewhere, but they could very well go on a run the other side of things too. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to watch a lot more this year because I'm interested. And I, I hope we see for come back. Cause I really like what he brings. I really yep. like the, the Tyler mock kick in play too. We didn't really like people were like, why do we bring him in? He's just to replace for I'm like, no, no, no. This is a guy that does everything. Yep. Like this is a good player. Um, Bobby, tell us, tell but, us a little bit about him. Like all I know is that he, cause he, his numbers aren't sexy but he no. can kill penalties. I'm assuming. So like, he's a role yeah. guy. Is that what he brings? He's a, yes, he's a, he's a Nick Paul where you can plug and play him everywhere. So any uh. space that gets filled Yeah. Like he's, he's a Nick Paul, but probably a little, little better um, in his role than Nick will be. Um, I, I remember watching him play and I was like, God, that guy just, he's everywhere. He's a buzzsaw. He's on the puck. Um, he's, he's always on the defensive side. Yeah. I, I like his game a lot. I thought it was a really, Good. really cre creative signing. Uh, late in the summer for them. But all that being said, I I'm pulling for, I really hope they, they make a major step because if not, then, then it's going to be mayhem. <laughs> really yeah, it'll be deflating. And, and, and it'll I be think, deflating. yeah. And I like the way you open that up when you, cause, cause Pierre touched on that in his press conference the other day, which I really liked when he was saying that, you know, we just want to be playing meaningful games down the stretch, right? Like get, yeah. get into that dog fight with the other couple teams that are fighting for that eight spot. And, you know, that's a success in itself compared to last year. You're building forward because to me, that's very realistic. And yeah, fans absolutely should be excited. This isn't us coming on here and like taking a dump all over the expectations. No. We're, no, we're I don't appreciate do your negativity. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> like, and, and, and like Bobby, maybe not as much as us, but like we benefit from the team doing well. So I want people to, to I want to be clear here. It's in our best interest yeah. that this team succeeds. I just think to touch on Pierre and, kind of the tail end of what he made the comment he made let's just make sure that we're managing our expectation level here we, we you don't want to put so much pressure on this team that it's just yeah. a lost cause off the start right because right. they're gonna they're gonna lose some games right they're gonna lose games and it's not always gonna be pretty every night just understand that it's a process play yeah. meaningful games going towards the spring or as bobby mentioned by american thanksgiving know where you're at that'll be a success like i'm i'm not doing it like to put them down like i get paid in cherry coke so I, I'm like, I, I, don't, I have no vested interest in which way this goes. I'm just, you know, and I've been reading a lot more, but I'm like, I, I want them to do well. I just want the expectations of everybody around them to be a touch yeah. tempered because That's I see fair. everything coming through and I'm going, Oh my goodness. Like this doesn't go well right from the start. Uh, Plan I'm, the going, parade. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. If they make the playoffs, I'm coming up now that I'm staying with you for a couple of days. Yeah. Hey, we got a room down here, buddy. We'll do it. All right. Yeah, we'll yeah. do the, the, the Wham show, the, the WAMB show from Man. the Canadian Tire Center. We'll get a setup here. I'll set something yeah. up in the basement. We'll get her fired up. Uh, you know what, though? It's April. It doesn't work for me. It's too nice down here for golf. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't yeah. think of that. Yeah, and it's not yeah, great yeah, here. It's yeah. very wet and yeah. slushy outside. <laughs> I got to pull the Sorrells out. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll throw the budget out and bring you in, okay? Just whatever right. it takes. Deal. Um, by the way, are, have, have you finished all the cherry Coke or do I, have, do we have to send more? No, no, 
know, I'm limiting myself. There's there's a lot of sugar in the boil soda company. So <laughs> a lot uh, of the, a lot of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what though? I'm gonna attack one today by three o'clock. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I got a few left. Uh, well, okay. go enjoy. Uh, we appreciate you stopping right, by. Buddy. It's great to see you again. Uh, always enjoy right, it. Everybody. And we're gonna need more of you through the season. So uh, leave your phone on. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me back. Good to see everybody. Thanks, Bob. See you, boys. As always, I appreciate Bobby Ryan stopping by. We'll look forward to seeing him once again on the show. As always, the Wally Mathod Show brought to you by Ridge Rock Brewery. Go to ridgerockbrewco.ca. Use the Wally. We use the Wham Show coupon code. Get 15% off. That's ridgerockbrewco.ca. Sports Interaction. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathod for the most competitive live daily odds. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds maker. And by BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc. Their help with all your landscaping needs. Go to BonishereExcavating.com today or call them 613-432-1120. Bonisher, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Welcome back to the show and now welcome in one of the best fitness hockey trainers there is in all of the land. Uh, TG, as most people refer to him. Tony Greco, how are you, sir? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Appreciate it. Before we get any further, I just... is. Is Mark Mathot the mayor of Manatic, or is this not true? No. Mark Don't Mathot, do that. Could, he could be the mayor of Manatic for sure. I mean, no one's going to mess with Mark <laughs> Mathot. Come on. Are you kidding Tony's me? Tony's right just now? down the street from me. Tony, Tony's <laughs> already been here longer than I have, so he's he's got claim to this area. What? <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought you, I thought well, you guys would just share it, go to each other's house and do this interview. <laughs> <laughs> we should have. I was, the, the thing is, some people have to work with clients. See, Mark just... He's got a better balance than me right now, you know? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> he gets to work with me, so I'm not sure it's all that fair, Tony. <laughs> oh, uh, man. It's quieter today, and that's because I'm going to assume uh, the gaggle of hockey players that you have training with you in the summer and other people as well uh, started to finally go back to their teams and go back to work a bit. Yeah, this is actually the most rewarding time for me because uh, I get to get all the results back, and it just kind of – it's really rewarding for me and my trainers and my team just to see these guys excel in their game. I mean, uh, you know, with their first step takeoff and their endurance testing, their strength testing, their peak power, all that kind of stuff that people are probably going, what the heck does that mean? But it's all good because all, this is where we see kind of these guys excel at their craft. So very rewarding. Yes, there's a few people still here, but most of them are all gone. Okay, so the guy that we want to discuss right off the top, and that's Claude Giroux. So if everything goes wrong this season, it's all your fault, just so we're clear. <laughs> well, you know what? It didn't go wrong in the weight room, that's for sure, because you know what? This guy uh, was in this uh, season and, again, finished first all the time. I mean, Mark knows him. He's a go-getter. This guy hates yeah. to lose. Uh, but it's good. You know, it's good for these young guys that are around and are watching this guy come in early first session uh, doing the proper discipline by, you know, just getting the stretching going and then getting the heart rate up and then getting into the workouts and then finishing first. I mean, he's so competitive. Uh, he worked with Jack Quinn, uh, Benny Hutton, who's in Vegas right now. And um, uh, there was also Ty Thalhaber, who's actually now trying to look for a job. So that was a group. So it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good balance of kids on that group. So, you know, especially Jack, I think a few times he kind of pushed them a little bit so I just they kind of worked off each other because I think it's a bright future for Jack Quinn as well so do you you've trained Claude now for uh, uh, 85 years um is there a difference <laughs> 17 <in> the way- <laughs> 17 17 <laughs> same thing is there a difference in the way you trained him at the beginning to now where he's I'll say 
I'll say twilight of his career, but I just mean when you've started to meet mid thirties, I, I feel Grizzled. like you start to train different. It, yeah. Oh yeah. Hugh, you know what, Hugh, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that actually. Like I've changed my whole concept. So what happened was uh, about six years ago, he introduced me to uh, a guy, uh, his name is uh, Dr. Ben Peterson. He actually used to work with the flyers under Ron Hextall. He was their fitness director, which now he's the fitness director for the San Francisco 49ers. And alongside him was a fellow by the name of Cal Dietz. He's a strength and conditioning coach at the University of Minnesota. Great guy. I do a lot of work with him. He's kind of, uh, you know, my mentor in the sense that, like, he just gets it. And he, and he gets it because this stuff back in the day, I mean, we all kind of took a stab at training people and, and getting them tired and getting them to do lunges and squats and deadlifts and all that stuff that goes into getting a person stronger and, and much faster. But as you guys know, the game is so quick right now. So uh, what happened was uh, about, um, well, about three and a half years ago, I really started to get really deep in the woods with this guy, Kaldits, and all the stuff that I'm doing right now is all been tested. So I don't teach anything that I have to second guess because it doesn't make sense. And, and I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's too bad that a lot of trainers out there, including myself at the time, we all want everybody to get better, but we just kind of, threw stuff at the wall and, 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 and hope that, you know, it worked right. But right now, like just to give you an example, like I never let my players do more than five reps and there are people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, yeah. okay, well, if you can do, you know, 225 and squat and do it for six times and move that bar as fast as you did in your first three, then I'll make you do 10. But chances are you're not going to do that. And I tested to show them. So I get there, I get them to kind of throw their ego out the door and say, look, you got to get quicker, faster. I'm looking for power. I'm not looking for strength. There's a phase for that. So there's just, there's a lot more that goes into it. And then the results I've been getting back, I mean, I can share tons of you guys from a lot of these guys. And it's just like, okay, what's going on over there? Like I spoke to Ed Daniel, who's the uh, strength and conditioning coach out of uh, Buffalo. And he said, like, even Jack, like they tested his peak power. And uh, with the force place, he said it's, it's 10% more than the average kind of, you know, rookie that's been, out, that's been drafted during his era because Again, we do a lot of that single leg stuff now. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go through the whole science of stuff, but the bottom line is that uh, everything I do now has been tested. There's no second guessing. I get a lot more of the athletes. Psychologically, they go, wow, you know what? It's five reps. They push harder. Even uh, when I do like a lot of the speed stuff, and, and you'll like this, Mark, it's 10 seconds. And people yeah. are like, well, what do you mean? I used to do back in the day, I remember coaches used to do 30 seconds. And these guys are huffing and puffing. It's like, dude, you're not going to be on the ice that fast, you know, in 30 seconds. I mean, the fastest man in the world is Usain Bolt. You're not going to be that fast for 10 seconds. You know, yeah. it's, it's one, two, and you're gone. The game is so quick now, right? Anyways, really cool stuff. Yeah. So, to so it's Tony. So as far as, so that's, that, and that's, that's interesting about the speed now, because I've always said that there's been like a yeah. shift in the last like five years where all of a sudden the league is just getting very young and insanely quick. Do you also promote on some of your players now? I'm sure you do have some kind of program where you're kind of keeping an eye on their nutrition or their, 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 their meal plans, if you will. I know the younger guys are, aren't usually as astute as the older ones. Is that something that you guys kind of put on the players? Yes. And that's a big one, especially, I mean, most of the, uh, most of the pros kind of know, what to eat and, and when to eat. But some of the younger guys, extremely a big thing because it's the fuel. I mean, as an athlete, yeah. you want the balance of proper fuel. And, and this kind of training is not your average training because the difference between mainstream clients and athletes is that 
uh, athletes train every day. They're doing something to better themselves, uh, either in the gym, on the ice, on the field, wherever, where the mainstream people would kind of come in, you know, two, three times a week, do their workout, kind of live a, a balanced, healthy lifestyle, but not really strict. So going back to the nutrition, I mean, we get these kids to understand you got to eat more, but you got to eat the right food. We get right. them to understand that you got to hydrate a lot, not the sugary drinks, you know, water, especially. Uh, there's a way to make it sweet using natural sugars. We get them to understand that they need to build muscle. And it's like building the Lego block. So if they're not having a, a, a sufficient amount of protein according to their size, I mean, some of these guys will develop puberty and will, and will get like bigger and stronger, but it doesn't mean that they have a lot of muscle on them. So that's where yeah. people get mis, that misconception. Like that guy's a big guy. Well, he's actually a lean guy, you know? So it, they, they look, because everybody thinks that everybody that's that skinny mini player is, you know, not fat. And everybody that's kind of like, a pretty fit player is, you know, lean. And it's not, it's not, that's not the case, you know, because mm. on your skeletal system, we want these kids to start developing good eating habits. And, and I'm not saying like be like super, super strict, but for instance, replace like, for instance, a, a Kool-Aid drink with, uh, you know, a hand fist or tight fist of, uh, for instance, almonds or, 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 or peanuts, natural peanuts. Now, if you have a peanut allergy, then maybe get like an avocado, like just different, different things that, provide different energy and, and mm. food is fuel. So it's a whole process and it, and the parents have to participate in this, this, and we encourage that as, as well, Mark and, and Brent, because it's like, I mean, the parents are the one preparing this stuff, right? So you got to drill it into these kids. That's if you want your kids to be consistent. Right. And, right. and that's, that's important. Right. Yeah. All right. So who's the biggest whiner you had this summer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to be tough to answer, but <laughs> <laughs> in this kind of establishment, I got to admit, we don't have really a lot of people that whine because we got rid of all those people. You know, I can go back in time and tell you who didn't like working out as much. Uh, and we're always ask, is this it? We're not doing any extras, <laughs> you know, because they're retired right now. So <laughs> oh, who's all right. Uh, give me one. Give me a name. Todd He's White. Todd White. Yeah. Oh. And Bell. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, good guys. But it it was interesting to see these guys. Like we're only we're only doing three sets, right? Today, no extras. So it just. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, who spends yeah. the most time in the in the sauna now? <laughs> well, there was actually that group of Ben Hutton, Jack Quinn, um, and and Claude uh, would be the ones that would spend the most time because they were finishing early, so they would start at nine o'clock. It's still kind of a little bit chilly. We were so blessed with the weather this year. I mean, it was gorgeous. So all these guys are, uh, are working out outside. And um, what we did is um, right after, because around 10 o'clock, we get the cold tub out there. They take a quick plunge and then get in the sauna and then come on in and, uh, you know, have a shake. And then out, there, out they go out the door, either golfing with Mark Mathot or wherever they end up, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're not golfing with me. I don't ever leave no. my house. Tony, yeah. what, what do you have? What do you, is it like a traditional sauna? I don't want to get into the details. Wally's going to no, kill me for asking these it, questions, it's, but it, it, it's a, it's a wood burning uh, sauna. And I, and I wanted yeah, that yeah. because I have, I have a sauna in the house, but it's electric yeah. and I find it's hot, but the, the feeling of the wood, cause you could put so much, I mean, you could get it really hot in there. Right. And these guys, I mean, some of, most people have been in a sauna, go in a sauna, they could absorb that heat and really get yeah. the full benefits. But I'll tell you, it was a game changer because you know what it's the workouts. Okay. They're cool. It's, it's awesome. Whatever you come in, but it's the mind thing. And you see these guys 
they're sitting there. They go in the sauna for like five minutes. They're drenched. They shower outside. Cause I got a, I, I got a shower outside and then boom, they put it, they go into the cold tub and then bang away they go. It's like, they feel amazing. Uh, you know awesome. what that's all about that whole therapy. Uh, yeah, and, well, I I you're a big hearing, fan of and I keep hearing now, cause I, I, I use my sauna. I've got a traditional one. I, I'm not a big fan yeah. of the infrareds cause they don't get as warm, you know, but I know they're right. supposed to be beneficial, but I've also heard now that the cold tubbing right after can affect your hypertrophy. Like as far as building muscles, that, is there any, any science there at all? Well, well, the, I mean, I don't know the science behind that one. I mean, I had a guy here to uh, show me some of the breathing. Like I'm just kind of, uh, you know, yeah. learning a lot of this and it, and it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah. What I do know is that it does work on your nervous system because what happens is uh, people, you've heard people going into cold showers and the difference between going into a cold tub or a cold shower is that when you're under a cold shower, your body's always under stress. Cause you're like, oh, and it's, yeah. and it's like you tighten up and it's cold where, when you're going into a cold tub, like this one's at 32, uh, well, it's about three oh degrees here. Yeah, That's so you're the, yeah, the, the first thing you, when you're doing, you go in, you're like, oh, whoa, and then it's like, relax, just 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 breathe. And then once you start the breathing, it, yeah, it doesn't keep it. kind of, yeah, you get to it. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll research some of that. I could uh, I could get back to you on that, but that's interesting. I mean, building muscle, I don't see, I guess, I guess it would increase the blood flow, which uh, would probably get that muscle a little bit more under tension. I could see that right. from a, a science perspective. Yeah. You know, but there's, there's, I've, there's a lot of good science behind this stuff. I mean, I, I, I just, I think at the bottom line is I don't think, you know, a lot of people know how to do it. Well, like I'm one of them, I'm still learning. I mean, I can go in there for 30 seconds and I got to get the heck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I fair. get it. I get it. I get it. Right. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Just, it's a good mind thing. Right. It's a good mind thing for people. Agreed. I, I'm wondering um, if you could help out meth for a bit. He seems to have let himself go since his playing days that maybe you <laughs> could give a him chance. a program to work on. <laughs> I think Mark knows a lot of, a lot of programs. I think he does pretty good himself. He always looks good, man. <laughs> He's got all the manatic uh, ladies after him here, I'm sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, whoa, that's, that's, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, when know, it comes him, to and Dan, him and Dan McGillis, you know, they're like the favorites. Are. That's what I hear. Just what I hear. Just what I hear. Okay. Like, you know, they're, like, know. they're like the big favorites. <laughs> uh, I love Dan McGillis. He was such a good uh, dude. Um, yeah. Uh, two, I got two questions before we go, Tony. Uh, very yeah. serious questions. Um, you're a very fit individual, obviously, a world kickboxing champion. When you sit down to watch a movie, what cheat snack do you have? Ah, yes. <laughs> well, I, I love popcorn, and I love uh, I love a Revello, the ice cream. I have a few of those. 100 calories, you can get those right now at the uh, grocery store. Yeah, I love, ice cream. I love ice cream. I love ice cream. Yeah, I love ice cream. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And finally, uh, last question we have before we let you go, and that is how many points is Claude Giroux going to have this year based on your training program? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. I think I think he's going to have a lot more assists than goals because the line he's playing on. And yep. I think I think he's 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 going to make a big difference in general points-wise. Um, that's a tough one. But he will have a lot of points. <laughs> but mostly will be assists. But he's just going to make – uh, I, such a huge difference. Like I feel it. I just feel the energy like around these young guys, he could set them up. He could, you know, and I think that's just going to uplift everybody. And that's, that's what really true leaders do. So I don't know if, you know, the investment that I think Ottawa did, obviously not, not that he's a friend and a player, but it's just, uh, I think it's really good. I'm super excited. I mean, I'm going to more games than I usually go to. I think everybody's excited. It's, it's going to be great. Uh, 
Mike, maybe you should put the skates on and come back to Ottawa too. Give me one of your knees. I'll be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, buddy. <laughs> you probably would too with your attitude. You're a maniac. <laughs> uh, I love it. Though. Uh, <laughs> Meth and I are about to go work out now after doing this interview. So we appreciate your time. Uh, thank you. And uh, congrats on all the success you've had in training all the high-end players. It's been really fun to watch you this summer. And, and uh, thank you for taking care of Claude Giroux because we think he's going to be fantastic to watch on the ice this year. Yes, Tony Greco, we appreciate welcome. your time. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. And thanks for having me. And drop by any time for espresso and smoothie. Thanks, TG. See you, buddy. Uh, once again, thanks very much to Tony Greco and, of course, Bobby Ryan. It's great to see him back. One thing, uh, Matt, he talked on was a few of the players already making an impression in camp. We've now got three games under our belt. Is there anybody that's made more of an impression in camp than the unknown coming in, which was Tyler Mott? Yeah, uh, that's tough because, again, we've only we've only got three games under our belt, right? So how do you assess this? Well, uh, you know, Crookshank, I thought was excellent in that first game. That wasn't even a player that was on my radar. I shouldn't say it like that, but it wasn't a guy that I was totally focused on, uh, but put up some points. Um, I thought JBD has been very solid so far. Had a bit of a quiet night um, last night against Winnipeg, but quiet sometimes for a defenseman who plays two ways isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, Castellick obviously is another player that I've been very open about throughout the summer that I've been back and I thought he was a little quieter as well last night, but it's a tough day. I think people need to understand this. This will be my last point, Wally, before I head it back to you. When you're playing a road game like that, in preseason and, and Winnipeg is by no stretch of the imagination close as far as exhibition games goes. It's a long travel day. Players legs aren't fantastic. You're playing in a tough place to play in against Winnipeg's pretty deep lineup last night. I mean, they had their top two lines for the most part, except maybe for Pierre-Luc Dubois, who wasn't in the lineup. So a lot of adversity for these guys. So I don't want to base my evaluation solely off that one game. Um, but I mean, I think for me, it also sort of reinforced some of the points that I initially thought with some of the other guys like Brandstrom and whatnot. So we can get into that after, yeah. but are there any standouts for you? Well, Hey, Tyler Mott, uh, mostly because yeah, he we didn't know anything about him. He's got two goals, four points in his two yeah. games. Like without question, he looks fantastic in that role. I, at least uh, I know it's preseason, but at least from what no, no. we've seen, he looks good. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I like Mark Cast. Like I, I thought Dylan Gambrell had the inside edge coming into camp. Uh, I, I just because he's already played in the National Hockey League, he's he's an NHLer. I'm not sure. I think Mark Kastlik may be the opening night roster spot on that fourth line. I I just think yeah. he does more. He's he makes more of an impact. Gambrell is fine. He just he just blends in. He's just yeah, like I, furniture. You know. Okay. Well, I, I don't want to go that far, but why not? But I do I'm agree. not putting him down. I'm just saying no, no, the I point know. is. He just there's he looks nothing like an about Ottoman. him. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, like Bhutan. And but that's the difference, though. And and I I kept stressing this in the summer, and then I I've kind of doubled down on it after running into him at the golf tournament. I mean, he's a freak. Like he's so yeah. strong. I'm talking about Castellick, of course. He's such a strong, large, imposing human being. And that if you can if he can figure out this game now and and really develop here over the next year, assuming he sticks to this lineup, those are the kind of guys that give you those big goals or turn into playoff performers when you need them most. Right. I look at guys like Nick Paul. We saw we did it with Tampa. Exactly. Those big boys that move well, that are able to turn it up a notch in the postseason. 
are so dangerous. So I'm not going to go on a long, on a long rant about yep. that, but I'm, I'm very impressed with this young man's play. Again, it's only been a few games, but I, I do think that there's a lot of potential there, particularly on that fourth line with the size that he brings. He's imposing, kind of a scary-looking dude. We know he can handle yep. himself as well. It's a nice weapon to have. Like, it reminds me of Pat Maroon a, a bit, right? Gets into yeah, the playoffs sure. and has that impact. But a, that type but of a better player. Well, well, I, should, I guess Pat skates, Maroon's got three cup rings, so I guess. I, well, well, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I like Pat Maroon as a player. He's been incredibly fortunate, Wally. Let's not let's not uh, yeah, confuse no ourselves question, here. But okay. But before but, but we get Castellic moves far better. I mean, it's not even close. Pat Maroon is a big human being, but Castellic just finished second in the fitness testing. I can guarantee you, Patty Maroon didn't finish in the top five of his fitness yeah. testing. In any uh, case, Mark Castellic, number one on the wind bike, by the way. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And that's so, so, you know, like that speaks volumes. Anyway, I, I know we, we probably covered him a lot last week as well. I can't really remember. No, but, but yeah. <laughs> the other part of uh, this is, We've been cheering for Derek Broussard. Yeah. I don't see a spot for him. I don't it's see an any, any scenario where he's on this for on well, this team. He, I'm I'm incredibly biased because he's a very close yep. friend of mine. So I'm I've actually made it a point. I'm not gonna pump or deflate his tires. i he's got my full support, but that's you know, I'll leave that to you guys. It's just unfair to come from yep. from me. But but you're no, right. No I mean, question. it's it's a, the classic case, right? Your PTO and it just so happens to be on a team now that has this like influx of really good prospects that are finally yep. starting to come through as NHL players. So the timing stuff, very exciting for Sens fans, not so good for a lot of veterans that are trying to make an impact here on this team. So we'll see. No, uh, I'm going to keep my eye on him though, specifically and a couple other players, but you know, it's, it's, well, it's going to be an uphill battle. You mentioned Angus Crookshank, who uh, we yeah. didn't really think much of him because he missed an entire season with the ACL injury. Uh, he he lived at Jerry Townen's house all winter. Oh no way! And and trained and worked out and bust his ass to get back to where he is. And and the the ceiling on him was pretty high before the injury. And I think he's picked up and he's probably stronger now because he's had to work out so much off season. He's put in the work and he's yeah. starting to see that pay forward. I I hope good things for him because he's I mean he's a great no, kid and, and had a terrible uh, yeah. injury. And he's not exactly. And and that's that's interesting tidbit there about Jerry. That's awesome. For those who don't know who Jerry Townen is, works with the Ottawa Senators. He was the the head uh, athletic therapist when I was there. And now I think he's more yeah. of a, 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 was he the head guy? Slash he's like the sports science guy. He's got some fancy title. Yeah, yeah, he's got a cool role there too. And he works obviously, you know, hand in hand with Dom Nicoletta, who's in my opinion, one of the best in the NHL as well. I think people don't really appreciate how great that training staff is. But anyway, good for Crookshank. I, um, yeah. Not a, not an imposing man, like, you know, not a huge guy. So the fact that he's been able to put on that much strength and muscle, he's got lots of speed. He's a good role player. He can play up and down your lineup uh, and, and he's getting, he's got some points now. So he's, he's, he's got the eyeballs. Now he's put himself in a really good position early on in camp. He's yeah. just got to maintain that momentum. If he can prove that that's not just a one-off, right? Cause that's a prime example of a player that probably wasn't necessarily in the plans for this season. You know, Teams will have yep. projections. And sure. so, you know, no matter how well he plays, maybe through two games, that doesn't necessarily seal him a spot. So he's going to have to continue this and really kind of blow the roof off for the next couple games that he plays in. You might make some noise here and stick around. We'll see. But I'm really excited about that young player. I, I think he's a mid-season or injury call-up type 
this year. Yeah, I right? think there's you're been right no, too. Yeah. There's been no indication anywhere from anybody's projection that he'd be opening night. Now no. that's not saying he won't be, but I just think uh, yeah, well, he's going to get, he's going to get good. He's going to get a good long look now, which yeah. cause, you yeah. know, we're talking about him. Everyone's talking about him. He's obviously doing something right. So certainly a player to watch out for a uh, quick note about Jerry. Uh, he's so good. So uh, as we've talked about, my kid plays triple uh, A hockey. When he gets injured, he goes to see Jerry. He couldn't move his wrist one time. He said, it's really sore, whatever. So he goes to see Jerry and Jerry goes, did you change your stick? And he's yeah. like, yeah. He goes, that's why your hand hurts. That's yeah. blown away. Like the guy, Jerry's, just, we, he's a, yeah. I don't know it's what you experience. call him, but he's a, yeah, he's the yeah. magician. He just knows when you're, when you're around the game yeah. for that long, you can identify any little, you know, subtle change wow. in your game that perhaps would lead to that injury. Um, yeah. What about, what about the decor here, Wally? So I'm okay. looking, you know, up and down. So, okay. First of all, hold on before we, before we get to the good people, I yeah. have, I have to make an apology. Oh. I said I thought Nikita Zaitsev was going to come in after all the work he did in the oh, summer yeah, you did. <laughs> and possibly be good. And I apologize because I'm completely wrong. Because what I <laughs> wow. saw in the first game was exactly hey. the same Nikita Zaitsev that finished last year. We're going to have to have Craig come on here too at some point because this is a rare occasion where Wally is accepting the fact that he was wrong. I appreciate yeah. that, Wally. You know, but, I, but yeah. He's been eating I, at me. Yeah. And, and no, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're being told a few things and, and of course you would think that, you know, being highly motivated in this scenario with, with Zaitsev coming back, trying to, you know, maybe make amends for last season and, and really show that he's improved his game. It doesn't work that way at the NHL level though. It just doesn't, you know, maybe when you're a very young player coming in and you put on some muscle, some strength, your body, you know, physically you've changed a little bit, but Zaitsev, He's not at that point anymore. He's a little older now. I don't want to say he's old, but as far as the NHL goes, he's got years under his belt. His issue was never work. It was never strength per se. Yeah. I do think that he's, I, I think this gets overlooked a lot. I do think he's smaller in stature than the way he plays. How do I word that properly? Yeah. You know, he, yeah, yeah. he tries to play a bigger game than his body allows him to, um, yeah. which I admire, but it's just, it's, it, his mind is just too chaotic. It's just like, you know, too much coffee or whatever it is, where when he has the puck, he's lacking a little bit of that poise. I, I'm not going to pretend I was Paul Coffee back there when Eric and I would get in fights on the bench. I'd always look at him and say, dude, I'm not Paul Coffee. I can't do this. And guys would laugh, but I was being dead serious. So I, I knew my limitations. I'm sure he knows his limitation, limitations as well. But, I mean, look at the players coming in now, Wally. I mean, you got Sanderson coming in here, walking through these games, looking really comfortable through camp, comfortable in his first game. And you've got a couple other players. What are your thoughts on Branstrom yeah. from last night? Anything? So there's a couple of points. One, maybe less Paul Coffey, more Paul Loss. I think okay, that's, that's what fair. I was thinking. I can't of. even chirp you for that. That's right. That's fair. <laughs> the, uh, a couple of issues. So on the D in a hole, and there's been a few that have looked good, but one, why is Thomas Shabbat playing 27 minutes in a first preseason game? By the way, by the way, Morgan Riley played five, six seconds more in that game. Why is he playing 27 minutes a night? I now? don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Listen, I've gone on enough Shabbat rants when it comes to these minutes played. I'm, I'm waving the white flag. I don't have a towel okay. in here or anything, but I give up. Okay. Play him as much as you like. I don't care anymore. Okay. <laughs> Whatever yeah. Shabby wants to do, let me. I'm, I'm convinced at this point, Shabby's the one that wants to play 30 plus minutes. I'm convinced. But in any case, um, I still don't know how this is going to shape out. Like, I'm watching the games right now. I don't know who his partner's going to be. 
I don't know who you're going to play with Sanderson. I'm still undecided. I see. I still need to see Hamannick play a little more. But yeah, that bottom right. two, that bottom pairing, Wally. I mean, I don't, I don't even know anymore. Put it in a blender. So before, so before we get to those, I'm going to say the bottom three of Thompson, Brandstrom, and uh, Bernard Docker. Uh, a couple of points. One, it's funny reading Twitter after the first game in which Jake Sanderson played. Either he was great and he was everything yeah. you expected him to be, or some. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Like he was, he did nothing out there. He doesn't look good. I'm like, oh my god, Twitter, how can you completely? I thought he was great. Like I really thought he really moved the puck well. Never, no one's going to be perfect in the game, but he does a lot of things. You can see, reads the play well. He's but not. My God, he's playing against professionals. Can we give him? And that's five seconds here. And that's not his game. His game won't be that dynamic, Eric Carlson style. Like you know, from like right. you know, ten years ago. That's that's not his game. He'll be more like. Um, He'll be more like a Nicholas Lidstrom or maybe that Control more steady. the game. Like, like Victor and, by the way, we're talking a hall of famer here. So it's yeah, like, yeah. it's not a slight or an indictment, you know, in his, on his game. It's more just, that's what it's going to look like. Steady, smooth. Bear in mind, that was his first NHL game, right? Yeah. Like hasn't had a taste of the game yet. And he did not look out of place. That is a success. So I'm not even like Sanderson isn't even to me a point of discussion anymore. I know he can nope. play. We had a pretty good indication based off a lot of guys I spoke to. We would talk about it going into camp where people were fawning over his game, his physicality, how strong he got over the summer. So for me, I'm looking at Thompson, Branstrom, JBD. I'm looking at those three fellas. And I, okay. I, I yeah, like I, I'll let you go first. What do you think? I think we're sleeping on somebody. I Who think I we're ignoring Max Gannett. Mm. I listen. He, He's played very well and he doesn't get the attention. I'm not denying that, but I yeah. think he's listen, I'm putting him on my roster before Eric Brandstrom at the moment. Yeah. So, but oh, no, no, there's no question Eric there. Brandstrom what about JBD, me, JBD and Gannett? Well, who are you going with? I, so here's, here's the thing, Matt JBD gets the pedigree nod because he's been looked at first round pick. He's all right. Everybody's praised him for years. Max Gannett's gone out and done the work. He looked good, I believe, in last year's camp. Uh, he kind of turned some heads. He turned some heads this year. Uh, he played. Did he not play one or two NHL games, if I'm not mistaken? No, uh, he's only played in Belleville, I think. Only Belleville? Okay. Yeah. He, yeah he's got, like, I he think played he in Belleville really for like five seasons. He's He's got a long... Anyway, so you like Gannett. So, okay. So I, I'm not impressed by Lassie Thompson or Eric Brandstrom, for that matter. Like, Eric Branstrom has NHL skill. He's just not strong enough. We just, we see it. He's not strong enough to compete. And if you're a bottom three pairing, you've got to have strength because you get all the, you get the top lines half the time. If you're on the road, you can't always be protected. You've got oh, yeah. to have strength. Hey, listen, listen, off the puck. this is, this is not even a, oh, and I, I hate, like, I hate that I even have to go there, but like, it's not a, it's not a discussion anymore. He's not an NHL player. He's not. Like a, like Not on a, a playoff team. I know people are advocating so hard for him. And I just, I don't know what it is. Is it because you people just want him to su succeed so badly because he's the small guy yeah. and he's the, the, the Rudy, yes. the, the, the Rudy of the NH of the, the Ottawa senators team, or is it because he's the last piece from the Mark stone trade? I don't think the fans give a shit about the Mark stone trade anymore. I think they just, it's a guy that they can root for. And I understand that, but if you're building a team, like, like, did you watch him in the game last night? Like, forget about the hip check. 
like forget about that. Oh yeah, I meant to bring there, that there up to you. Sequence. You should be there cheering for him right now. There was a sequence where he got like crushed twice along the wall, uh, like, and it's happened. It happens all the time. Anyway, yes, I hate that I have to go there because I love the player's willpower. I like his his no quit attitude. The guy works his tail off, which I'm sure is a large reason why a lot of people are huge supporters of this. But I mean, right now we're seeing we're seeing guys like JBD. They're they're starting to get there where they're you know right on the cusp of probably passing him at this point because at least defensively JBD won't be a liability. Eric Branstrom is only a liability because he's five foot eight. I'm sorry to all my short kings out there. It doesn't work when you're an NHL defenseman. It's a big man's game back there unless you're very dynamic and you can control the puck well and you put up numbers. So I, you know, Gannett's interesting to me. Um, certainly a player that I do agree. Wally has turned a lot of heads and has been a nice surprise. He might play for 13 years in the NHL. Gannett, for example, that might be a guy that'll just have a nice long career. Like you never know. Um, nobody was talking about me when my, I came to my first two camps. It was mostly an afterthought, right? Six round pick coming in. But I figured it out eventually. That does work out oftentimes with a lot of these players. But I think right now I'm looking at JBD to probably fill in that spot because I can trust him in the D zone. That's why. Okay. And he can move the so, puck fairly well. Uh, two things. One, were you not impressed with the Brandstrom hit check? I think we can't ignore this based on your history of sure. Yeah. The- yeah. Now, yeah. And I look. I don't want to be a hater, you know, like I don't want to be a Dave Chappelle hater where like, you know, the haters player haters ball and everyone's just hating on everything. And I, I, he was just kind of isolated and standing still in the neutral zone and the timing was yeah. perfect where, you know, almost looked like it wasn't intentional, but obviously I'm sure it was. He was just trying but to get it, out of the way. It was a nice hit though. Nice hit. And again, I feel, I feel terrible for my earlier rant, but I'm just sick of having the discussion. I'm sick of seeing people have this discussion. It's like, get over it. It's time to move on. Okay. So time to move on then are you comfortable going into the NHL season with Thomas Shabbat, Jake Sanderson, and JBD on the left side of your National Hockey League franchise? JBD, JBD, I think I'm comfortable with. I'd like to see him play another couple games here before I gave you my stamp of approval. As it stands, I think so. I think so. I think if you put a guy like a player like Holden or somebody that can kind of maybe a little veteran leadership with, with a player like JBD. I wouldn't like two young kids playing together on your third pairing. They'll, they'll get no ice time. Like the coach won't put them out on the ice and that won't be good for their development. So, you know, if you can get a steady Eddie back there with them and they, they play fairly vanilla, but they're not a liability defensively. They can get the puck out of the zone. I'm I'm content with that. I'm certainly more content with that than any of the other current players. Maybe Gannett. Here's the, and I don't think that we can ignore this issue. They Talk need to, to start well. They need to be a 500 hockey team 15 games in. I agree. So if you put those guys back there and they struggle, what happened? Like the, it'll self-combust. I, well, okay, but what, what's your other option? What's your other option? You're, well, you know what I mean? It, That's not me trying to you stop have, you. I'm you have an like, NHL player in Nikita Zaitsev there you do have oh him available see i, I feel like they're probably i feel like is nikki all all zaitsev has to do here is come out and have like one relatively good game where he's not yes. a, a disaster in the d zone and they'll be like see he's good I told you we can play him in the first preseason game and i understand though as a coach 
familiarity and, and knowing that he's played before at the NHL level, that certainly plays a part. I think from a fan's perspective, they're just so fed up that they want change, but the fans are also not the ones like me, you, the rest of the people watching, you know, our jobs aren't on the line. If, well, if maybe you go with JBD right. instead of Nikita and JBD lays an egg, you know? So, but I, I'm confident that JBD is seasoned enough. Now he's got enough development under his belt with a couple more exhibition games. I think we'll be surprised. I think he could be a, a reliable player back there. Well, if you start the year 10 and five and Nikita Zaitsev in your lineup, no one's going to be complaining. If you start True. the year five and 10 and JBD struggling, I think people will still, I think they'll complain. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's like, so if you're DJ, what are you going to do here? I mean, you might go with ah. the sure thing at the, off the start, it's, keep, give them a short leash. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I can understand that, that mental side of it where you're approaching it with a little more safety and maybe you shelter them a little more, but I mean, it's a long year. You can't afford to play that third pairing five minutes a night. Like you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure it out at some point because Shabbat can't play 30. It's not viable. And it's certainly not a good long-term strategy. If you plan on being a playoff team. I thought you said you weren't going to talk about Thomas Shabbat's ice time anymore. Well, wow. that took you 10 minutes. That didn't take me long. <laughs> <laughs> and Pinto, uh, we, we missed Pinto, but in oh, a nutshell, right. yeah. so impressed with this game. You're, yeah. I just looked down at my sheet quickly and I'm like staring at me. What a great third line, right? So I'll keep it short. Mott, Pinto, Joseph. I mean, we talk about their top two lines potentially having to face, you know, the other team's top two. You might have a legitimate shutdown line there. You might. Like, I, I know it's bold, but like the speed they bring and the ability to cover ice with the speed on that third line right now and the response. And 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 with Joseph, Tyler Mott on the left side, that responsible two-way style, play, like thinking of hockey and Pinto, man. Like he might be a legitimate number two center here before we know it. So listen, yeah, I love Shane Pinto. I think his game's phenomenal from the very first time he played uh, in his call up. I thought those, I think those 10 games or whatever he played, he looks, he just, he's an NHL player. Everything he does, where his position is, all that stuff. Yeah. He exudes confidence, right? Like you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't view him out there when you're watching the game and thinking, Oh boy, like he's green behind the ears. Like he doesn't really belong. He looks a little shaky. Not at all. Like just, Confident kid, takes yeah. great care of himself. I know he loves the game. I mean, I, I mean, they're so fortunate now. Finally, down the middle, that depth that they have. So, really liking what I saw out of that third line, and having Tyler Mott there now and seeing him play gives me more reason to just kind of be in that camp. I mean, I'm pretty sure now you could have a legitimate third line despite Formanton perhaps not being there. We'll see. Uh, Mark Mathot calling for uh, Tim Stutzler to be traded now so that uh, Shane Pinto can be the number two center on the hockey. <laughs> F off, man. I didn't say that. Don't go there. <laughs> Fans are going to lose it on me. <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, the show brought to you by Ridge Rock Bruco. Uh, RidgeRockBruco.ca. Use the Wham Show coupon code 15% off. Uh, try their blonder American Pale Ale. Uh, Amber Ale, if you will. They have a dry hop sour. Uh, get the uh, delivery, home delivery, if you will. Wham Show, uh, 15% off your beer order at RidgeRockBruco.ca. Uh, all right. Time now to bring in Craig, as always. Uh, we have a few things to discuss. Uh, one meth, uh, before we get to uh, some other stuff, you went to Freddie Beach, as if you're from Fredericton or well aware it's called, uh, my hometown. I just want to know, like, was there big signs erected of saying welcome to <laughs> Wally's hometown? It's, so the first, I brought you up once, well, up several times, <laughs> but the first time was in the shuttle. We, we had a bunch of old dudes shuttling us. They were all beauties, really nice guys, volunteers for the, for the, for curl, working for Curling Canada. So they picked me up at the airport. And I said, I'm like, his name was Bob. I'm like, Bob, 
You ever heard of Brent Wallace? You aware? He's oh yeah, yeah. I've heard of him before. Yeah, he's, I've heard he's a good guy. I said okay, that's good enough. Well, he's he's not a good guy, but I know he's from here. So anyway, I'm like, I think he wants to be here. He couldn't be here for this weekend, but uh, beautiful city. Wally, you're a celebrity there in Fredericton. I think you're very well liked. I didn't see any banners or like signs anywhere. Yeah, but your your presence was still felt around the arena, and I can respect that. Just tell me what it was like when you flew into the Fredericton airport. It has two gates. I mean, I loved it. What's I mean, <laughs> nowadays flying through like Mon- like I, I had to connect through Montreal. There's no direct flights, at least not available for me. So I um I had to take like a pigeon airplane and, and hop a couple times before I got there. But but I mean, if I can avoid Toronto and Montreal, I'd, I'll take Freddie Beach's airport all day. <laughs> and it's just that small town feel, right? Like everyone's super friendly everyone was nice and outgoing and wanting to help it was really that was the vibe that i gathered from there so you're very lucky uh to be born and raised in fredericton that's a very good town um is there was there a bar that you remember going to no we didn't we didn't get a chance because we did the curling thing at fred at uh willie o'ree place which is the arena where where the tournament was held and afterwards in the curling world it's kind of similar to like an apres ski we call it you go to the patch Yes. So I've learned a new Coming term. Back. You go to the patch. There's a big tent outside where everyone's basically boozing and <laughs> yes. listening to live music. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then from there, we all went back to the hotel and in the lobby area there's, at the Delta, there's a huge bar and restaurant and we had a blast. It was, um, we had a good time. Curling Canada put on a great show. Points bet put on a great show. We had fun. My friend uh, runs the bar service there uh the rest oh good so there you go i'm i hope she charged you twice as much uh (laughs) craig how you doing my friend i'm good guys how you guys doing great that's a good show today lots of lots in there bobby back tony greco uh and then yeah talk a little present there one thing uh guys just touch base on a little bit we did uh last week we talked about our mount crushmore's Posted it on social. We got some feedback. I just wanted to let you guys <laughs> give you guys an opportunity. Oh, the, the feedback is fantastic. Please share. Exactly. I just <laughs> wanted to give you guys an opportunity now. Now that you've seen the feedback, is there anything you'd like to defend? Anything you'd like to say about your Mount Rushmore as you presented last week? Are there any guys? People were pitching other guys know, that maybe should have All been I know there. is that Wally, Wally got lit up. Wally got lit up. Well, mine, mine is, is very similar to Wally's. So it's, I think we both we both maybe left some some guys off that maybe people felt strongly about. They were mad that they left. They were, I think a lot of them were a little irritated that Wally left yep. a train off the list, right? Yep. Like Volchenkov. Fair enough. I, I'm, you know. I'm, I understand people are upset about it. I only get four names and I just happened to hard. choose Mike Fisher over Anton Volchenkov. See, I didn't agree I with the fishy. I love fishy. Like I love the player, great human being, but like he had no business being on that list. Well, I disagree. And you <laughs> okay. weren't here. You were off playing in Columbus. So you, that's you true. Know. That's true. But what's your, he, he got, he got Volchenkov though. What, what's, I feel like maybe Wally should have known better there. Am I crazy? You saw him, <laughs> you, you were, you were down in the trenches for those ones. I, I, it's funny. Like when I think back at Volchenkov, I don't remember, like, I remember him being like tough and rugged and all those things. I don't remember like constant, huge hits now. No, I no, you're right now. Maybe that, maybe I'm remembering things, wrong. but he had sure some, a couple. he had some heavy, he had some very heavy ones along the walls. Yeah. And because he was such a, like a brick, punishing like a bit of a brick shit house, you know, yeah. like very yeah. like heavy guy. And yeah. uh, I just remember him laying big hits and then getting jumped all the yeah. time by people. And it was hilarious. So that's why I threw him on there. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Andy Sutton came up a lot and he didn't play a whole lot of games here. So it's like, yeah, he, just, I wouldn't put he made on one hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, I, but it was a significant one and I'm not downplaying that. I mean, that yeah. was great, but I think if you wanted to take, you know, a good hard, honest look at this, it's frequency, level of difficulty, the type of players you're hitting, blah, blah, blah. And then of yeah. course the amount of time you've been here. And I think that's why I think my list was pretty spot on. I mean, you could argue, maybe put me ahead of Neeler, but I won't get you into that. Right okay. Now. Fair enough. But it's so skewed towards defensemen. I just, I felt forwards deserve some more attention. Yeah. Well, if you, if Mike Fisher caught you coming across the open ice, he would like, he would just lay you out. I just, he, maybe I, he was just a guy that I always appreciated how physical he played the game. Not saying Volchi didn't, but to me, Volchi was the shot blocker guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Uh, one last thing here, boys, that we were chatting about, all this talk about hitting uh, when I was doing my research for that Crushmore thing. One of the things I was going through was all these like monster hits that I remember seeing in Ottawa. And I was trying to think, we don't need to do a Mount Rushmore of it, but I was just trying to think back. It brought back some memories of some of those big hits on either side, either given or taken by the Ottawa Senators. I just wanted to ask you guys, what are some of the biggest hits you remember seeing kind of in context of the Ottawa Senators? Ooh. Anyone want so to take first? But, but here's the thing though, back in the day we'll call it half of those hits weren't legal no or like aren't today considered legal so when you think of chris neal catching tim Connolly coming across the open ice i don't think that that's a legal hit today so <laughs> yeah uh and that's the one where the owner tom golisano at the time sent a letter to gary bettman he wanted him chris suspended and all of this stuff um the same with eric lindros driving and andreas dackles face into the glass when they did oh. that seamless glass uh, that was one of the worst ones I've seen. The other one is Steve Martins. And I, I can't remember who hit him, but he got lit up because he was watching his pass. He made a drop pass and then he got crushed at the blue line. That was always one of the biggest ones. It's those, that picture's everywhere. And I wish I could remember who it was, but yeah, those hits, you, you can feel them. Yeah. I think for me, I have to think of Chris Neal for sure, just because his 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 open ice hits were so reckless. Like, and he's so coming strong. around the net. Yeah, like he would catch players. Like, I'm thinking the a couple major ones. There was the one on Johnny Boychuk. I think my first year. I think it was like 2012. He destroyed Boychuk. There was another big one on Brian Boyle, Matt Hunwick. Like, there were a couple yeah. significant ones where I'm like, man, this guy's a straight up lunatic. But I loved it, right? Like being on his team, and I was always terrified of him of him before getting to Ottawa and then being around him in the room and seeing what he was like off the ice and then seeing him just transform into this monster. Once he had his pads on, on the ice, I, I kind of developed a new respect for Chris Neal. And then of course he could defend himself just as good as anybody, particularly those last years in the NHL that, excuse me, particularly his last couple seasons, there weren't a lot of real he legitimate heavyweights anymore. So nobody ever really had an answer to Chris Neal. Like we, we saw that with Tanner glass, right? Mm -hmm. comes into the series basically turns the series around for us and nobody could do anything about it i mean he was basically able to bully guys so i'm gonna go with him i know where you're, i think i know where you're gonna go craig but yeah i'll be able to comment on that one but but chris yeah. neal for me and those those three big ones that i named there were massive and that's what I think I asked you. I asked you about uh, the biggest hit I ever saw was when Mark Stone got absolutely demolished no by Dustin Bufflin. Yeah. Like that, I remember seeing that and thinking in like, Winnipeg. Okay. Yeah, and I, I remember I asked you if you were there for for that one, and I just remember thinking like that was when I realized like okay, I think guys are getting too big and too fast for this like small contained ice <laughs> surface because it's like no one should get stood up like that. Like that was it was. I can't believe he deadly. skated off. He, he, yeah, he that was. Off. But right you, you, the, yeah. you played in that game, right? That was in the neutral zone. Um, and I think it was in the second period, if I remember, because Bufflin was coming from the right side. Uh, 
I can't, I, I, I thought my vantage point was from the box, but I thought about it a little bit more and I think I may have been on the bench, but either way I was not on the ice. Yeah. And I remember the impact because Stoney, Stoney had his head down. I think had just received a pass and, and Bufflin who, for those who aren't aware how heavy he is at the time had to have been pushing 250 yeah, at least easily. Easily. easily he'd come into camp way heavier than that prior but he was hovering around 250 260 and he's coming at you on skates full blast forward like forward motion um i think to me that spoke to how tough stoney was like he got up did he come back that game or was he out for the rest of the game i don't think he came he back. missed oh he yeah. missed uh significant time he did okay i don't remember yeah because they okay, wouldn't well, and they wouldn't label it a concussion Right. And I don't know to this day if it was ever labeled well, that, but he missed either way two weeks. It was devastating. It was a brutal hit. And and, yeah. and to Craig's point about like the game being too quick. I mean, I agree. Having said that, Bufflin was an outlier. I mean, nobody yeah. weighs that much. I mean, he was heavier than Chera. So, you know, I anyway, long story short, I'm happy that Stoney survived that <laughs> yeah. hit because it was it was gross to watch it in person. You could hear it. It, it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, I remember I checked the footage. You weren't on the ice because Carl was out there with uh, Freddie Clayson yeah. at the time. So you must have been. I figured you were either in the box or you're on the bench. I think I was else. in the penalty box. Could and have I been. had a front front row view of it. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah. Uh, what year was that? Was that like 2017? Uh, no, 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 no. 2016, 2016? maybe or 15? Yeah. 15 or 16. 2016, he missed five games with concussion. Uh, and it was September. So uh, was it that uh, early? I didn't I get that one. In, didn't he get that one in camp? Am I crazy? Oh, I, well, maybe because it's September 24th. So I think he uh, did. I think it was like one of the, I remember that it was one of the first uh, like hard scrimmages. Cause I swear, dude, I meth. I remember you yelling from the bench. Cause Matt, it was one of the first ones and everyone's trying to get everyone going. And I remember Matt yelling like Stoney wants an easy game today, boys. And I hear that coming from the bench. And then like 20 minutes later, stones on the ice. I'm like, Oh fuck. Like it was just, I think it was one of those scrimmages where people were just trying to set the tone and you guys, it was, it wasn't anything malicious. No, one was going to clip anyone's head off, but right. uh, Just remember it being like, it was a, the vets were trying to get the young guys going and get under them. And it was fun to see. And yeah, I remember it turning into an injury. So that's where I was like, okay, maybe that's not the way to do it, but he, he, whatever he was in the long run. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's no, funny. The, that. But the big hits that are illegal are the one like I remember Steve Downey on Dean McCammon uh, coming around the net like that suicide. Well, it's called suicide alley, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Rafi like, Torres. That was his bread and butter. I played with yeah. Rafi in Columbus. I mean, yeah. that was like that that's what he did. Ugly. It's it's going the opposite direction towards your own net when players were yeah. coming around, and it was just like death row oh. when those guys were on the ice. Anyway. Not good. Yeah, that one that one was always tough for me. So I ended up doing a story with Dean after and his family about all that went through and then him leaving on a stretcher and what it was like for his wife, who was a, a nurse at the time. And yeah. uh, he made the funny quote after, but he's like, I don't have a problem with concussions. I have a problem with people giving me multiple blows to the head. Um, and I always, <laughs> Dean, but Dean was funny. I always enjoyed him, but he that that hit was one of the, the toughest things I've witnessed uh, on yeah. the ice for sure. Yeah. It's scary, man. Getting getting your head knocked like that is not. A, I've it's happened to me a like, couple have times. Have you taken my years. one of those? Like you're yeah, a big my first boy. The first, yeah, but it was it all happened when I was young and more vulnerable, and I couldn't defend myself. No one really touched me once I became a veteran in the NHL because I was big enough. I wasn't like a tough guy, but people were a little more weary. But yeah. but my first training camp with the Canada Lasers in Junior A, I remember we were playing at like Jacques Chirac or one of those rinks out there in Canada, and it was it was in the, the training camp. 
and I was a, an underager. And I remember a veteran donkey junior B player, like really heavy, had no business playing on the team. Um, finished me along the wall behind the net after I made a breakout pass. It was very late. And he basically grabbed my head and like stiff armed my face into the glass. And I can remember, well, I don't remember much, but I was very dizzy immediately after, but that was the old school thing. Like nobody, nobody cared that I smashed my head against glass that had no give whatsoever. I played the rest of the game and, you know, didn't think much of it. But when, when I look back now, that was insane. Like that guy should have been out of that game right then and there. At the time, no one did anything about it because, you know, it's junior A. You don't have a lot of tough guys. People aren't aware of the dynamic that you can't do that. And, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it happens. And, you know, of course, I was wearing a mouth guard and all that. But still, I mean, your, your brain's rocking back and forth in your skull. And that's what causes yeah. concussions. Yeah, yeah, it's tough because and I, I bring it up with my kid. But he's into that group now where he's playing against kids who are 70 pounds heavier. So that yeah. concern is always on the ice uh, as he well, plays. Well, you don't. Yeah, you don't expect it, Wally, like with, with your son. Right. And, and of course, like, you know, you're coming out of minor hockey and you're completely unaware of some of the players you're playing against. Like, you're not playing against kids anymore. You're playing against men. And some yes. of these guys are developed far, you know, they're, they've matured much sooner than maybe others. And they're built like men now. And, um, you know, it's just you're not used to those cheap shots. You're not used to the dirty stuff. Because, again, you're not playing against kids anymore. You're playing against right. hormonal older teenagers that are angry and running around and, that's just the way you got to yep. you, you learn. It's a crash course. You'll learn on the fly. And I'm sure Ryan's going to get his taste of it too. You we'll see, give it on, a shout out. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was Craig. just going to say, you, you see a lot of that on Instagram these days where it'll be like this 13 oh. year old and it's like a six foot eight basketball player, yes. right? And he's playing against like little tiny kids or a, a huge 400 pound lineman that's blocking like an eight year old. And you're exactly. like, oh, like those guys exist yes. in these hockey things too. And, and oh, they, yes. it's, it's dangerous because they can be yeah. physical. Like, so it's one of those. Yeah, definitely. It's something it's hard to watch. But the impact they have just on their presence on the ice. Like Tom Wilson has an impact just being yep. on the ice, his presence, oh, yeah, right? Totally. And so changes how you play the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will yeah. give one shout out before we go. That's to uh, another 07 who plays. I've watched him play alongside. He played against my kid a lot. Uh, Harry Nancy. Uh, you probably saw That's him on that. Twitter at double hat trick at eight points the other night uh, in the U18 league here in Ottawa. That's a pretty, that's a league record. Pretty good night. Yeah, two hat tricks. <laughs> Six goals. Yeah. Against yeah. other competitive players, like in the same league, same. Yeah. The same league, my kids. So he's an 07. So he's 15. Yeah. And in that league you play, it's a U18 league. So he's playing against kids two years older. Holy shit. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. Okay. he's, a, he's a pretty good up. player. I hadn't seen it. Okay. I don't know how we, that slipped under my radar, but okay. I just learned something new. Well, we play them on Saturday, <laughs> the Renfrew Wolves. So we'll see how this goes. Nice. Keep nice. you posted. Wally yeah. Scouty, Wally uh, Scouty report incoming. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> they better be good. Uh, all right, boys, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Uh, thanks for watching the Wally Mathot Show brought to you by the Ridge Rock Brewery.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 